You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today we're going to continue talking about something that's kind of a bummer, but we want to contextualize it and talk about it. Injuries. TJ Warren and Edmund Sumner had injury updates last week, and I want to continue to talk about the Pacers' injuries and their injury history and how much it's really changed their strategy, their franchise, what it means for them going forward, because they had a ton of injuries last year. And there's been some very interesting riding, mainly from Tom Lewis of any corners that I want to bring up and talk about today. So we're going to talk a lot about injuries today, how they've impacted the Pacers past and future. And this week will be the last two episodes where we look back on last season for the Pacers. Next week, we'll start our looking forward week. So joining me to talk injuries and some NBA news of the day, which we'll get to in a moment, my lovely co-host, former Andy Corners writer extraordinaire, Adam Friedman. Adam, how's it going? Good. I'm excited to talk uh, about the injuries and about uh, John Wall's ridiculous contract and why he'll never, ever be traded unless somebody really just like wants to take on that money, like a really crap team for something. Yes. So before we talk about injuries, there was a, a, some big NBA news today. Two things that I actually wanted to talk about from a Pacers perspective, that being John Wall news and Aaron Gordon with Denver news. We'll get to how Aaron Gordon impacts the Pacers after we talk about John Wall. But yeah, we'll talk about that before we leap into injuries. And by the way, it is 1040 p.m. in Indianapolis right now. And for those of you who are local, you will know that it is absolutely pouring outside and there's some loud thunder. So if you hear storming, I apologize. OK, first thing we're talking about with the Pacers today, John Wall and the Houston Rockets have agreed to work together on finding a new home for five time all star, former All NBA guard John Wall. John Wall is pretty good for the Rockets last year. John Wall is also owed. 90 something million dollars over the next two years. Adam, is there any way we talked about John Wall on the stars? The Pacers could theoretically acquire podcast. And we both said, you know, that, that doesn't make any sense. His contract is atrocious. Is there anything the Rockets could give you? They're not going to give up Jalen Green, but like to even make you think about it because he plays point guard. The Pacers only have two of those, but he's and he's actually good. But his contract's just too bad, right? There's nothing here. I just want to make that. Very I mean, clear can they day. pay his luxury tax bill the next two seasons? <laughs> yeah. How much cash can the actually? Can the yeah. I mean, if they would pay his luxury tax bill the next season, then fine, right? I mean, well, they have to match the salaries too. So yes, yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. You're asking for the the the, the uh, actual possible move. You mean to get John Wall or the like? You know, if they did this like a like baseball oh. style move. Well, like yeah, if he got bought out. Yeah, the Pacers should absolutely be a team that inquires. Like he was actually like he wasn't great last year by any means yeah. compared to what he was pre-injury, but he's good. He's a good NBA player, and they don't have like a um, yeah. I mean, the Rockets yeah, attached Jalen Green next year's first. I would take John Wall for you <laughs> named the three players before forty-seven million dollars. <laughs> yes, for Jalen Green, I, I I think the Pacers should do that. But I just you know I got asked about that I think two or three times on Twitter today when the news came out about you know Wall's not even going to play for the Rockets this year. He'll go to camp and be on the team, and they'll look for trades, but. He's not even going to play. So, you know, should the Pacers inquire? No. I mean, his contract should, is just, it's so bad. It's so Should bad. he take a buyout? I mean, the, would the you reporting is that he will not take a buyout and he earned that money. So I get why he wouldn't, especially if they're just going to let him chill. You know, so why it's, would he? It's 97.91.7 million dollars over the next two years. I mean, like, like, would you, Houston, if you pay him 75 to go away, is that worth it even? 
Yeah, he would say no. He would say no. You think so? That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, Kemba Walker got two years, 18 million, right? So if John Wall thought he could get 15 million from another team, he probably had already done that, right? You know what I mean? So he's probably not doing that. Yeah, I just mean like a bio at some for him point is it worth like not playing basketball? Like basically, you know, he'll play one season in let's call it almost five yeah, years. He just, I don't he think just any doesn't team want to get hurt again, right? I mean, if any, he gets hurt again, he's toast. Yeah, I just wonder if anybody's going to trade for him. I guess it'd have to be like one of the bottom teams. I mean, I guess the Kings are probably the greatest, like the biggest market for him, right? I'm just wondering if he really get bought out and go to Los Angeles, right? If he gets bought, he can go anywhere, and that might that's why he might do instead of being stuck to like I'm assuming the teams that would want him. Orlando could probably afford him, Oklahoma City. Kings, you know, those those kind of rosters. I'm not sure Donald spent his last prime years in a in a wasteland. Yeah, the Pacers just on the current deal, they just can't trade for him. Like all the contracts they could cobble to even get up there, they'd have to be giving up like good players. And that's not yeah, they're better off for them. Those are Ben Simmons then. Yeah. So if there's like a buyout to be had with Walsh, sure, maybe the Pacers should sniff it out, but there's nothing there. And I just Yeah, but if he gets bought out, he's going to Brooklyn or Los Angeles. No, I think it's a lock where he's going if he gets bought out. The Clippers. Right. Yeah. Brooklyn or Los Angeles. Yeah. Point guard hungry team. He's, he could be a stud for them. I, I think that makes too much sense. So there is no John Wall Pacer stuff. I just wanted to cut it off at the butt because people were asking about it. The other thing that happened today in the NBA transaction world, that's pretty big and definitely has impacts on the Pacers to me is out of Denver, Aaron Gordon, uh, a parent Pacers fan target for years, signed a four year, $92 million contract extension. With the Nuggets, well-deserved, great defender, going to fit that team, did fit that team really well last year. Uh, I've never been as high on him as other people, but he fit really well on that Denver team. Good for him. Get your money. However, how does this impact the Pacers? Adam, just in a vacuum, who's better, TJ Warren or Aaron Gordon? TJ Warren, slightly. I agree. Aaron Gordon's been healthier, so I might give him him the edge. Uh, I agree with both of those points. So... I, I think Warren is better. I agree with you. But I also, you know, what, what's the saying? Availability is the best ability. So Aaron Gordon's been extremely healthy compared to Warren, right? He played, well, he missed some time last year, but, you know, he's played over 70 games in a few seasons, uh, four of his last five to be exact. So much more available. You're much more willing to do that risk. So that's a good facsimile potentially for the next TJ Warren contract. He has a benchmark. He can walk in and say, I think I'm better than that guy. Pay me that if. TJ Warren is healthy and plays well this season. Another reason I wanted to discuss this in the context of the Pacers is the 2022 NBA free agent class is terrible. And Aaron Gordon is now not a part of that. And like, there's a not ridiculous case where we've talked about this, right? Harden gets extended. Kyrie gets extended. And then your best free agents, assuming Russ opts in at 41 million, which you will are Beal Levine. And then you just had Aaron Gordon extend. So your next, your third best free agent, if TJ Warren has a good year, could be TJ Warren, right? And if you're, you know, I know the cap space landscape isn't huge next year, but if you're the third best free agent, you have a lot of leverage. Teams are going to want you. You play an in-demand position. So not only did TJ Warren get a potential benchmark contract at close to $25 million per season, he also, if he has a good season, could make himself extremely desirable next year. So uh, I would say today, because of Aaron Gordon, not a good day on the TJ Warren free agency front for the Pacers. Yeah, how much space really is there next year? I mean, like, like, is there what Knicks are going to have some money, right? I mean, like, in terms uh, of like, what, I like, haven't really looked into next year's free agents too much, but I will look it up uh, while you continue to talk. Well, because I'm, I'm just thinking, like, if he has this great season, he's going to get paid by the Pacers no matter what, right? If he great. plays 65 games, yeah, great season, it doesn't matter if he's a free or not, he's going to get get paid, right? And so then we're talking about does he have a mediocre season and some team overpay him, but like, if the 
the cap is what's say 115 next year uh there will be there'll be like some small markets that can go after him but I, I would think that there's probably not i mean he adds there's not a ton of options there like i wouldn't i guess i wouldn't be too worried about the fact that like he's gonna get could get paid big next summer because i'll probably have earned it i guess yeah, it looks like practically like the Grizzlies will have a ton of cap space and the Magic and some crappy team basically. The but don't the Grizzlies have to pay Jaw next year finally for the first time? Not two years from now. Two years, so that's well, it'll kick. Yeah, it'll kick in in two years. So yeah, they'll be fine. Uh, so there are some crappy teams that could pay him. The Pacers, of course, can pay him anything, but you know his market has been set. So yeah, I think especially with the injury year, I'm not sure if it's going to overpay him like a ton on a multi-year deal. Like, the concern for me would be like, does some team just throw a one-year massive deal at him just to, just to, right? If he has a, another injury play gear and they just want to see what he can do, they offer him one for 25 and they're like, we don't want to pay him that much. But I think at that point, you might even match that if you're the I would just do, yeah, I was going to say for one year, I would match that for sure, I think. Yeah, so I I, I don't know. I, I think, I really wouldn't be too worried about where he fits in that ranking. I think the Aaron Gordon thing more sets a benchmark, right? I mean, that, I that's agreed. the key, agreed. right? If he comes in as a good year, we just said he's probably better than Aaron Gordon. He would be this roughly the same age. Um, I think Gordon's like 27 or 28. We love talking about benchmarks, right? Like we tech, talking about DJ Augustine, who got 7 million per year as a TJ McConnell facsimile, and McConnell got 8 million per year. He's a little better than DJ Augustine. Great. Okay. So that kind of stuff really matters when you kind of contextualize what's coming up for the Pacers. And, you know, Jeremy Lamb's free agency is what it is. It's unlikely he'll come back. But with Warren, who the Pacers would like to keep and, is a key position for them having a guy that signs a deal that you go, wow, okay, he's close to the same value. Now you kind of have an idea, right? TJ Warren, if he has a good year, could sniff that $100 million number, right? If he has a down year, you still know he can get that a big, big money deal at four years. So that did is you know, why. Did you know him and Gordon are the same draft class? I did know that. Yes. Okay. So they were, I mean, Gordon is really young. Gordon was like 19, basically. Yeah, he got drafted as an 18 year old, I believe. Yeah. Or he was close. It was like the, it was really close. So they're, but they're three, roughly three years apart in age. So, yeah. um, so that, that would matter for the next deal. It would probably be two deals from now. That right. might make a difference. Speaking of TJ Warren, let's do this. Adam and I have had this show as an idea show for a lot of the offseason. I finally want to talk about how much injuries have impacted the Pacers recently and why they've had so many injuries beyond just freak bad luck. But first, I want to talk about the great folks over at DirecTV because if you're like me, this will sound very familiar. You have one device that you can catch the game live on. My laptop, another one that lets you stream your favorite shows. My Xbox, another place to watch sports highlights. Your phone, and you've got your best friends login for the good stuff. It's my parents for Netflix. Thanks, Mom and Dad. So that's a pain. I've got to use a bunch of different stuff to watch shows and sports. There's a simpler way you can get entertainment without all that hassle. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, shows, all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and devices. No need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter. Get rid of the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right. Last week, TJ Warren, foot injury, diagnoses. It's going to take a little longer than originally thought. We have a whole podcast on that. Go back to last Wednesday if you want more on that. Last Friday, we learned Edmund Sumner, who, by the way, had successful surgery in New York for the Pacers today, tore his Achilles in a workout. He will probably miss the entire season. This is a good time to talk about injuries from last year because I think they had a big impact on the season, and I kind of want to talk about how much they've hurt the team and changed their trajectory. And thanks to our good friend Tom Lewis, former host of this pod, by the way, uh, the OG in 2017, had some great points on Pacers injuries that I want to talk about. 
So Adam, first of all, I'm going to throw some records at you, if you don't mind. If you if you don't mind, a quick segue of numbers that I'm reading from my own writing. So it's a little awkward. But if you don't mind, I'm gonna I'm just gonna babble for a second. All right, go for it. Even though I babble most of the podcast anyway. Last season, last year's Pacers, 20, 2021, a season many would like to forget. Pacers start the season with their intended starting five. Depot plays three games. Warren plays, excuse me, the intended starting five plays three games because Depot set out a back-to-back. So they had three games of Brogdon, Oladipo, Warren, Sabonis, Turner. They went two and one. They lost that game to the Celtics, that very close game. Okay. Warren's injury is announced. For the rest of the season, including when they had Depot or when they had Karras, when they had four healthy starters at the same time, the Pacers went eight and eight. Okay, so they had any four healthy starters in the same game. They went eight and eight. So if you start two and one, you combine that with eight and eight. When the Pacers had four or more healthy starters last season for 20 games, they went 11 and nine. Okay, that is a 55% win percentage. It's about a 46-47 win team off the top of my head. In the other 52 games, they did awful. They went 23 and 29. They only had three healthy starters. That's a lot to overcome. So, Adam, do you think 11 and 9, 55% win percentage? Like I said, about 47 win pace. Do you think that's more reflective of the Pacers last year? Do you think the 23 and 29 in the other 52 games is more reflective of the Pacers last year? How do you weigh in the injuries with the results last season? Probably somewhere in the middle. Okay, fair. Right? I mean, I, I think... With this team, we've seen injuries are like kind of built into some of the season, right? I mean, Broden's going to miss, let's call it 10 or 15 games. Turner the same way, usually each season. Uh, Sabonis is usually the surprising one. Usually he misses less than that. But then, you you know, McConnell doesn't usually. Hey guys get hurt. But like most of the time, they're, they're, they're just a more injury prone team, right? Oladipo was obviously that way. Obviously, uh, Levert replaced him, but missed a big chunk of time. So you can kind of take that as like what would have been Oladipo's miss that kind of fired, you know, like what you thought out of the two guard spot when the season started. So like, I, I think there's, there's the expected injuries. So like you have to factor that in that like, they're not going to be fully healthy and be that fully healthy record every single time. But at the same time, I don't think they're as bad as like they look towards the end of the season. And in and, and that record you said, because when they do like, if they can be healthy enough, right. 75% and they are a decent team. Like we saw really at the beginning of ish of the year and really two seasons ago with a lot. Yeah. I think what we've seen, and learned, and I'm going to go back to two seasons ago, even though we're kind of talking about last year with these records, is overcoming one starter being out is doable, right? You can throw in Justin Holiday with the other four starters or Doug McDermott or whoever, and you can do okay, right? The Pacers were a 500 team last year when they did that. They finished under 500, right? They, they were worse without another starter. That's obvious. When you get that second starter gone, and all of a sudden, you know, instead of just adding in a, a capable guy to your bench, you're adding in an unproven guy like Keelan Martin or sometimes even a two-way guy like Brian Bowen was in the rotation for a game a couple seasons ago, right? That kind of stuff happens when there's a lot of injuries. Once that second one comes, it's really hard because all of a sudden now you're playing lineups that don't even practice together, right? Then it's then then there's that arrhythmic problem you have on the court. All of a sudden, there's a few lineups where you don't have a primary ball handler or, you know, you're, you're just... There's just a lot of once the second one happens, I think, where we've seen the Pacers have a lot of troubles and it's because they have a lot of dominant ball handlers who are injury prone. So these really stack up and have, and have hurt them in the past. Like even when Depot was hurt, they still had healthy Warren for most of that season. They had healthy Brogdon for a lot of that time. Um, they, they had McConnell playing for a lot of that stretch. Jeremy Lamb was healthy the entire time, right? They had enough ball handlers to get through it. And then the injuries started stacking up with Brogdon and Lamb down the stretch of that year. And that's when they struggled, right? In late February, right after Depot returned. 
So I think we've seen from this team over the years that, you know, obviously injuries are hurting them, but a bigger problem has been they keep stacking. They keep happening at, at similar times. And I know that when Lamb and Depot are out for a full calendar year, almost that's just going to be how it is, but that's where the Patriots get really hurt. So I think that to me that when I started this exercise with records, you know, you can maybe survive Warren's injury, but now if Brogdon or Levert missed time or McConnell or whoever, then you really get back to where you were last year. We are going, oh, crap. We got to really shuffle around this rotation. So I, I'm glad you brought up kind of the stacking because I think that's where the, the biggest problem comes. I think what ends up happening when you stack is that you have players who normally are fit into a certain role of bench unit, 22 to 28 minutes, maybe close game occasionally, whatnot, all of a sudden playing bigger roles where they can maybe put up the raw numbers but their efficiency just falls off a cliff, right? I mean, Justin Holiday is kind of the perfect example of this, right? Two seasons ago, he played 25 minutes a game, shot 43 and 40% in the field, right? Really good three-point shooter. Last year, he shot well. He didn't shoot terrible. He shot 41 and 38%, but he took, I think, an additional, it looks like two shots per game, and he just wasn't as efficient, right? And so it just sort of drags. It's not terrible, but it just it sort of adds up. So uh, McDermott is a similar way, right? He took about 10 shots per game last year, shooting 53 and 39. Two seasons ago, he shot 48 and 35 on, on eight attempts. Similar raw numbers, but again, efficiency just dropped, and just that little bit right there adds up to end up being you know a lot of five or 10-point losses. Yeah, the Pacers had some triple stacks last year even. Oh, yeah, where... I mean, those are just two of the obviously the You can go McConnell's the same way. And get right, back. yeah. Guys going into roles they're not comfortable with, just like, well, I was going to say with the triple stack, when Warren was out and Brogdon was out and Sabonis was out, all of a sudden it's like, holy crap, we have to have like Keelan Martin initiate some plays. Like that, that's that's not tenable. So it's not only have the Pacers had some bad injury luck, and we'll get to why in a second, talking about something Tom Lewis wrote, which again, I love when people write something so interesting that I want to talk about it. But also they, they've had a lot of simultaneous injuries, which has been really killer, especially like last April, they had three starters out for basically the whole month. Miles Turner played one game in that month. So they had just Sabonis and Karras for a lot of that. And, you know, right after Depot came back, we talked about that because Brogdon got hurt. He was going to be out for a long time, but the, the COVID shutdown kind of spared the team then, but then you come back in the bubble and Sabonis is gone. Right. And Depot's not playing back to backs and, you know, you're still kind of shoehorning guys into bigger roles. So that's where a lot of the problems have been because they missed Karras for months, Depot for a year, Lamb for a year. Brogdon always misses like a month stretch every year. You know, they, they just always have stacking problems. So not only are they not, you know, they, they, again, they were eight and eight with four guys last year. Like that's not great, but it's better than they were. The problem is that they have so many games where they're, they're down two starters and that's just killer. Yeah. And I, I think you, you saw their, their biggest problem last year was April was supposed to be this really easy month for them. Yeah. They had like, yeah, like, like we had been predicting it, like, okay, they have to get just to April. So they had in, I think April one last year. 21 and 25, which I think we thought they needed to be about 500 to have a better shot, but whatever. They still went, they went in that month. And then immediately the injuries started piling up. Turner's Turner got injured uh, September or April 7th, sorry. Brogdon, April 2nd. Sabonis, April 2nd. Uh, and then you had more injuries. I think Lamb is still out during this time. And it's just like, like right when they got to the stretch where they needed to kind of like go on a run, they immediately lost their best players. And there was really no way to do it. They, they were fine in April. So they, I think they went about 500 in April, but like, Actually, I think they did exactly, but like the problem was in April, they needed to run the table to get out of the basically nine, 10 game and get into like a six seat or five seat even. I agree. I agree. And they, they, you know, that they had some luck last year that they were playing a cupcake schedule when a lot of those injuries happened, but 
Okay, why are they getting? Yeah, but actually, that, to me, that's worse because they needed to actually like <laughs> lose run. Yeah. Well, no, in the when they play the cup, they need to blow it out and not just be five hundred because they had right kind of slogged their way through this really tough schedule. Uh, and so, like in some ways, they survived it, but it was like for nothing, right? They needed to be like. I think whatever it was, I think what they would have been like 20 games instead of going 10 and 10, you'd go like 15 and five and they couldn't do it. They didn't have, they didn't have the, the depth. Let me talk about this Tom Lewis column that I love so much from last last from earlier this year in May. Uh, it's very good. It will shed some more light on this injury discussion, but first let's take a short little break. Talk about two great groups of people. The first one being the awesome folks over at Bill bar who are making the best tasting protein bars ever. They're 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew protein bars that come in tons of delicious flavors. So there's something for everybody. They have a mixed package that everybody loves that has nine of their most popular flavors, including double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, right? Some of them, some of our favorites. Uh, my favorite is that peanut butter brownie one. And you can try all those flavors using that, or you can just buy a box of individual flavors, whatever you like. And not only are these, these protein bars delicious, but they're also healthy, right? 17 to 18 grams of protein. Only 130 to 180 calories, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. You've got to try them today. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order every single time you use it. Use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. And we're also, of course, talking about the great folks over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And football is back. And Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. They have an updated site with a new interface, so even more odds, even more props and contests. BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head over to that website or use your mobile device. Sign up today, receive your 100% welcome bonus when you sign up. If you use the promo code locked on at betonline.ag, that's double your deposit just for signing up. And if you use the promo code NFL100, you can be a part of their NFL launch promo as well football boxing basketball right to your favorite vegas casino games don't miss it they've got it all over at betonline.ag the fastest and easiest way to put on all your favorite sports remember that promo code locked on when you sign up betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts okay shout out to tom lewis read this article on indie corners via sb nation the title is who is not on the hot seat for the pacers this was you know they're struggling in early may very soon after the Greg Foster Goga, whatever you want to call that disaster of a game, they lost to the Kings at home in a skirmish. Game. Skirmish? Is that a fair way? You know, it was just a skirmish, but given what was going on with the Pacers, <laughs> with the Pacers, it was a, see Cora remember she hated it. Um, so in this article, Tom Lewis writes the following paragraph: it says, "Ever wonder why the Pacers have so many injuries? Maybe because." They have to take chances on talented players with poor injury histories to try to squeeze out what production they can without paying the max. Danny Granger fell in the draft thanks to knee concerns and was awesome until knee issues eventually slowed him down. Miles Turner drops due to concerns about his running gate. Malcolm Brogdon had foot injury issues. TJ Warren had injury red flags, but was free. As frustrating as the is- injury issues are, it isn't shocking. And I know that people from the outside want to point at a team that's very very injury heavy these last couple of years ago, what's going on with the training staff, but a lot of public facing trainers who cover injuries in the NBA and even the NBA themselves have acknowledged like the Pacers have a damn good training staff. So that's why this paragraph sat so well with me because it was the first time that I read a point that I was like, that is a fantastic 
way of looking at why this team's been so hurt recently. And it's kind of obvious. And I can't believe I never really thought of it, but you know, the, the way that they value getting talent, the way that KP trades, right. For guys that he, he thinks he's getting for undervalue or guys that put up a lot of production, but they can get them from another team for X, Y, Z reason. Some of the times that reason is because they're injury prone and they're betting they can be healthier. And the last couple of years, they haven't been able to get those guys to be healthier. Yeah. The the only problem I would say with that is then they don't steer enough into playing their guys the minute necessary yes. to maintain them. Right. Cause I, well, I think they did injury, McMillan, but not so much last year. Yes. Well, even with McMillan, I mean, Warren played 33 minutes per game and Turner played 30. Um, Cause I, I mean, you know, I, too I much think, to me. Is it? You, you don't. Well, 33 is probably a little too much for Warren. If you think he's injury prone, right? That's if like the. Are, yeah. Okay. You're right. That's like well, the piece, I would say. Well, and Brighton last year played 35 minutes per game. Yeah, that was too much. Yeah, Bjorkren, too much. <laughs> so here's the thing about players is I feel like players that only have so many minutes versus like games played, right? I think games played is really dumb to look at. I think if you can do minimize a player's amount of minutes, that you can kind of make him last longer, right? I think CP3 is a great example of this. Is like you see when he plays like 28 minutes a game, CP3 is amazing, but you start pushing him to 32, to 35, to 37, his efficiency falls for all 37 minutes instead of, you know, a really efficient 25. And so I think the Pacers don't necessarily steer enough into that by trying to minimize the amount they play their starters and whatnot. But I overall agree. I, the way they build the team is they take chances, right? Brogdon was, is the reason they, they got him in the, in the Bucks didn't resign him. Brogdon was their third best player that year, but they thought he was too injury prone to pay him $85 million. Same thing with uh, getting Warren and I think Levert even a little bit, right? Levert's about to bring that. That's why yeah. Houston probably didn't. I mean, Houston also like wanted to be bad. So that's also part of it. But like they definitely do take chains on guys who are, in, who are injury prone. Um, but also, I think across the league, how many teams don't have major injuries, right? I mean, a lot of the, we've just seen a lot of injuries in this league happen over the years, right? It just, it's just whether you, it's kind of a lot of his luck about when injury happens and whatnot, right? Like, Kevin Durant missed what a full season basically because because of his, his Achilles and played half of last year, but he wasn't hurt in the playoffs. So I mean, it just sort of just it was just luck. Luck is certainly a factor, right? And this is the the, the awkward is totally the wrong word. It's just the first one that came in my head. But like the awkward part of the injury discussion is remember, like the first season we did this podcast, 2017-18, they were like unbelievably healthy. Like to the point where it, it was like a big part of their season. Like, yeah, they ended up the fifth seed and they almost beat the Cavs that year, but everybody was healthy that year, right? Like Vic played a ton and didn't get hurt that year. He played 75 games. He's had injuries in his past and his present. Darren Collins. But his knee injury started that year, so we should have known they did. coming. Thaddeus Young played 81. Bojan played 80. Darren Collison played 69. Turner played 65. Corey Joseph played all 82. Sabonis played 74. Lance played all 82, right? But Turner missed a bunch. Right? That was the year we No, he only like, missed 17. I mean, only. So he only missed well, 17. Was that the year where he like had like the most random? You know, he like hurt his yeah, elbow. He did have concussion. concussion. Like, yeah. Like all these like non-basketball usually injuries happen to him. So of their top eight guys, like outside of, of Turner, no one missed more than like a dozen games, right? Like they were unreal healthy that year. And it's part of, look, it got like that baseline helped them get to where they are today. That's important, but you know, so it, that that kind of speaks to the luck element of this is that it's they had that year where like, so, hey, they have some injury prone guys, but it just worked out. And then the last three seasons, you know, they've acquired more of them in Brogdon, LeVert, Warren. It is know. almost all luck. If you think about it in some. Not, I would not say all. I would not OK, say all. so so I think how, Tom's point is very good and very valid. Right? So what, that's why I don't think so. Interesting question. This is this is more. 
why are the Bucks at NBA champions right now? Like, now, granted, every other injuries, but like ultimately, what was the the biggest things that went the Bucks? Yeah, the, the Nets got playoff? hurt. The Nets got hurt. The Nets and and the Clippers, frankly, right? I think but, they would have beat the Clippers. Maybe, but like I mean, in uh, every year there's injuries, so like you got there's nothing like wrong with that championship. Same thing happened with when the Raptors won. It's happened every year when the Warriors won their first title. Even Divincenzo got hurt for the Bucks. Yeah, no, it, but like a lot of it is who gets hurt when, right? Like, yep. like there's been seasons. I think there was a season where Kevin Durant missed like 40 games, but he only missed 40 in the regular season and played the playoffs. If it had been the other way around, they would the Warriors probably would not have won the championship that year. But look, look at the Pacers, right? Brogdon gets hurt March of 2020. If they don't have COVID, he missed the playoffs. They probably flounder even worse than they ended up doing in the playoffs. <laughs> I was going right? to say, well, I'm not sure that would have changed that. Yeah. Well, they might not have made the play of the four or five <laughs> game in anyways, but like, or flip it. If, if Turner and Sabonis have flipped injuries, maybe the Pacers are more successful in the playoffs in 2019, 20. Like you just don't, I don't know. Like To me, it's like you only have so much. And when you do get those like random, really healthy years, that's usually when a team pops. Right. I think the, I, I want you, I want you to see like, what were the Knicks like last year? Right. Like, they were pretty healthy, right? They're yeah. pretty healthy. That's why they, and they one maybe one of the more surprising teams. Let's look at their most of their starting five. I can pull it up real fast. I'm on the I'm on their next year. I'm on their basketball guys. reference page already. You are. Julius so Randle like missed Rand- one game. R.J. Barrett missed zero games. Reggie Bullock missed seven Eight. games. That ah, they had some guys seven. miss some time. Yeah, uh, Nerlens played main- 64. Quickly played 64. Alfred Payton played 63. Toppin played 62. So yeah, seven guys who played most games for them. They had. Missed less than 10 games, but Alec Burks missed time. D Rose missed time. Mitchell Robinson missed time. They, they had some injuries, actually, but most like of Derek Rose played healthy. it almost every game that he wasn't in a Nick uniform, at least. Oh, I forgot he started the season not with them, right? Yeah. You're right. Never yeah, mind. So, like yeah, most of, pretty, mo- most of their key guys were healthy. Yes, that is effective. So, yeah. Last year's a little different for me when I think about injuries with any team, not just the Pacers, too, because like, there was like an unprecedented gap of time for players. Like there were a lot of calf injuries last year because they went from like, oh crap, I have to stay home. I can't work out like I have every day since I was 18 or even 16. Yeah. And then they came back and then they played and then they had no downtime from the season, which they're used to as well. So, you know, I think that this year's injuries might be a little fluky in general. Like the Pacers having an extreme season won't happen again. But, you know, the, the two seasons before that, they had some bad luck. So this year it's about, you know, you, you mentioned the timing element too, but can they avoid those stacks? And I don't, how can they do that? How can Carlisle come up with the regiment that they haven't had, right? Nate McMillan didn't necessarily overload the in-game minutes, but he had heavy practices, right? That was a noted thing for him. Bjorkren didn't practice as much or had lighter practices, but played his guys a lot more in games. And, you know, it'll be interesting to me to see how, if Carlisle can find the right medium for every player, because we know it's different for every player, and, and have the Pacers on a more healthy season that can mitigate some of these problems with injury-prone players they've had these last couple seasons. Yeah, the other factor in this is, and Berger is terrible at this, is uh, like like Greg Popovich is really good. He's kind of getting the most out of your extended bench in a way that like you can make up for those injuries, right? Popovich is like notoriously good at like having 12 players that like all considered competent at times. And last year, the Pacers barely had like seven competent players in the whole roster when it started. It felt like by the, by the end of the year. So... And Carlisle, I don't know. I mean, I think he probably he's a good coach. He's coached this what coach are good at. It's kind of like getting the good Keelan, the best out of Keelan Martin when he does have to play five games, right? Yeah. So, um, or like the big key here will be actually Lamb, right? Can Carlisle get Lamb to a point where when he does have to play, he's maybe not like fantastic, but he can be just sort of net neutral on the court, and that could be like enough to help them win some games with some crappy teams. Yeah, that that would be nice. That would be very good. And 
Maybe they do some some Spursian back-to-back resting. I don't know if that's the thing the Pacers would ever adopt, but certainly has helped uh, San Antonio. In I mean, they, they they did adopt. They were going to wrestle Oladipo every back-to-back and everything. So like they, they did. were, they did when they he was on the team last that. year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that was the happiest thing for me when Depot got traded is I didn't have to ask him and and Bjorkren about his stats every back-to-back anymore. I, I, I do, do wonder if teams are going to like. If the NBA should just play 75 games to eliminate, well, they're usually seven back to backs here, seven to 10, right? Uh, no, it's like 13. Oh, dang. <laughs> well, I guess you could move the season up to October one and then get rid of seven games and probably play no back to backs then. That's true. You could I just feel like they should maybe do something like that, but that's a whole other podcast for a whole other time. So I hope this has helped you kind of contextualize Pacers injuries. And I, I just, I think that they get talked about in a weird way a lot. Because they've defined a lot of the Pacers last, I mean, basically the whole Pritchard era has kind of outside of the first season has been defined by this guy gets hurt or these guys are hurt at the same time or this guy's hurt in a key moment. And, you know, every playoffs they've been in, so they have multiple key guys out, right? One playoff series they've been healthy for and they almost won it. They almost won it. Yeah. And that's not an excuse. They they lost like they were a worse team. But, you yeah. know, it's just it's another layer of of the Pacers the last few yeah. years. The other thing I thought we should mention just before the end is that like when you don't have a superstar, it becomes even more important, right? If you do, if you have like a really great player, can overcome injuries a little bit easier because you can just rely on that player, especially in the playoffs, right? You saw it with the Nets, right? Kevin Durant almost willed them to that series one against the Bucks, but like, True. like I think the Paul George era, like you didn't worry as much because it was like Paul George could just will will you to wins when he wanted to play like at his best level at times, where like they don't necessarily have that single player anymore. That's a great point, and those stars make it easier for like, oh, you need Keelan Martin for one game. That's fine. You know, he's going to be wide open when he catches the ball because his teammates are amazing. So another great point. And in the context of, you know, Warren and Sumner this season, Sumner's obviously out for the year, um, but he was out of our rotations when we built them. Warren, though, you know, you just you hope guys can stay healthy till he comes back or there's no not too much burden on anybody else. Just so the injury bug doesn't bite this team for the third season in a row. You got anything else today, Adam? Nope. I think my dog's about ready to start barking a bunch more. So we start wrap up. <laughs> All right. Friday will be our last podcast of this offseason when we look back at last season and then everything else going forward. We're going to be looking ahead at the 2021 22 season. So we're going to talk about what can the Pacers learn from the Bucks and fun, the Bucks and Suns finals runs. Whew, that was a hard one to say. Uh, and the answer might be nothing, but we got to talk about it and, and dive in. So that will be fun. I hope you guys can make it for that. We're on Twitter at Locked On Pacers. Tell us why we said something stupid today, if you're a doctor especially. I'm on Twitter at TEastMBA. Adam is there at FreebrenAdam5. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you on Friday.